we'll get a couple seconds extra to give an introduction anyways. Um, man, it's great to see you all here. I'm excited for the hour that we're about to share together. My name is Randy Young. My wife Becky back here. Um, 45 years of marriage and ministry. How good is that? And, uh, and uh, we, have, we have the privilege of mobilizing people in prayer for the nations. We run a missions nonprofit called the Agora Group. A strategic partnership of ours is with Change the Map. Uh, which is all about reaching the Buddhist world, one billion Buddhists with the gospel. There's a great booth out there, Change the Map booth, that has all kinds of free materials. And uh, Mark Doreen, the founder of Change the Map, is with us today as well. So he's got a session this afternoon. If you're not doing anything at the 1.30 session, he's going he's to talk about life lessons learned from working with Buddhists. Very, very rich, uh, not just for people who work with Buddhists, but for anybody. So I just wanted to put a little plug for Mark's session there. So... Um, um, I'm going to go ahead and get this rolling, I guess. Are we good? Somebody walks in, that's fine. But uh, okay. This session is based on one conviction. That is that God wants to use you and the people that you lead to make a difference in the world every day through strategic prayer for the nations. Have you know that prayer is the key to reaching the world for Jesus? There's a quote that's on your sheet. We may look at it in a little while, but um, missionary statesman, of a century ago, S.D. Gordon said this, and I believe with all my heart, that all fruit of mission and evangelism is merely the gathering up of results, first one in prayer. All fruit of mission and evangelism, surely the gathering up, the gathering up of results, first one in prayer. And recently, um, I was rocked by this thought. I don't know if it came, I don't know how it came to me, but here it simply is this. If God said yes to every prayer I prayed last week, then what would be different in the world today? Which forces me to think of what do I tend to pray for when I pray? Do I really believe that God wants to use me and people that I love and lead in strategic intercession to impact nations, tribes, and tongues, to support missionaries, to open doors? If God answered every prayer that we prayed last week, what would be different in the world today? So today we're going to talk about seven ways to, to um, pray for nations, tribes, and tongues. And Becky and I now, with over four decades of ministry, we've had a lot of dreams, ministry dreams over the years. We've had the privilege of, of, of out of our youth group, putting 50 kids a year short-term on the field. We had the privilege of planting a, planting a church in Cleveland, Ohio that became 40, 35 nationalities. It was a melting pot of cultures. It was just an absolute blast. God blindsided us and moved us into full-time missions. We went to work with a missions organization in South Florida, where over the next um, six years, we had over 200 interns from three months to three years of their life that we trained, discipled, put into teams, deployed all over the world. Uh, we got to start a, a school of mission that was fully accredited, where students uh, did God's work on the field while they worked on their BA degrees. It's just been really rich and a great ride. But I would say in this season of life, there's one, one passion, one thing that consumes us. And that's that languages currently spoken on earth would be heard in heaven and worship for the very first time. Yeah. So, prayer is the key to that. So, seven ways to pray for nations, tribes, and tongues. Let's start this way today, okay? Several years ago in January, I wasn't looking to make any New Year's resolutions. Anybody with me on that? It's like... Me and New Year's resolutions don't mix. But one morning in early January, before my head even lifted off the pillow, uh, God blindsided me with this thought. 
I just sensed in my spirit God saying to me, I want you to start your day in heaven. I want you to start your day in heaven. And my mind just started racing. Lord, what do you say? What could that mean? And, and my mind eventually went to the scriptures of the book of Ephesians where it says Jesus, Ephesians chapter 1, is seated in heavenly places. He's far above all principalities and powers and all things are under his feet. And then Ephesians chapter 2, as we are in Christ Jesus, we are seated in heavenly places in Christ and seated, past tense, done deal. And I sense the Lord saying to me, so... Every morning before you start your day, I want you to take your seat and start your day in heaven. As I just thought about that and I just meditated on it, I thought, you know what? Heaven is a place of perfect peace. And how many times when I wake up in the morning, the first thing in my mind is my to-do list or the challenges I know I'm going to face during the day. And I would consciously take every thought captive and say, Lord, I want to begin my day in heaven's perfect peace. Nobody in heaven is wringing their hands over what's going to happen next. And Lord, I want to move out of your peace. And I want to walk your peace into every situation I face today. I thought also heaven is not just a place of perfect peace. Heaven is a place of clear perspective. Nobody sees through a glass darkly in heaven. Everything is crystal clear. And I thought, Lord, um, the opportunities, the challenges, the people I meet today, Lord, may I see them clearly through heaven's eyes and not through my earthly eyes. Clear perspective today as I make decisions. And then finally, I thought, you know, heaven is a place of ultimate power and authority. Jesus did say all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Isn't that right? And he's seated where? Heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. And I thought, Lord, I, I want to start my day putting on your armor, Ephesians 6. And taking the weapons of my warfare, 2 Corinthians 10, as the scripture says, those weapons of the warfare that we've been given are powerful. They pull down strongholds. And God, as I face challenges during the day, or you bring a missionary to mind, or whatever the case may be, a situation on earth that needs prayer, God, I want to go in your strength. I want to go in your armor. I want to go in the authority of heaven. As in heaven, so on earth. Thy kingdom come. Isn't that right? On earth, Lord, as it is being done in heaven 24-7. So I want to start out before we get into actually doing this together today, all right? Because this is a practical workshop. We're going to pray. I want, I want to just be very, very clear. You and I are authorized. We are authorized by Jesus for the sake of heaven to bring his will about on earth. We are authorized. We have been given authority. We walk in that authority. We are authorized to pray with the authority of heaven. It was years ago I came across a story, World War II. Um, when the battle turned for the worse in the Pacific, the Japanese were advancing westward. They had come through Southeast Asia. They were about ready to go into Burma, uh, modern-day uh, Myanmar, and, and the battle was raging in Burma. Uh, the Allied forces reached into uh, the Sahara, into the, into the desert, where Rommel and his tanks were fighting, you know, if you know World War II history. And there was a, there was a man there named Major General Ward in Ord Wingate, who was, who was strategically used to thwart Rommel's advances in the desert. So they hand-plucked uh, Ward Ingate out of, out of the African theater and moved him into Burma. 
And he created a special forces group called Wingate's Chendits. Don't ask me what the Chendit is. I have no idea. But he created this group of special forces. And, and the, the whole goal of this special forces unit was to drop behind enemy lines. And behind enemy lines, they would blow up ammo dumps. They would cut supply lines. They would disrupt communications. They would blow up roads and bridges. They would do everything they could possibly do uh, to disrupt the war behind the scenes so that the battle would go better on the front lines for our soldiers. What they did behind enemy lines did impact front lines. What they did in the unseen did impact the scene. And what they did in the supernatural made a huge difference in the natural. And guys, that sounds an awful lot like corporate intercession. That sounds an awful lot like kingdom prayer and great commission, teamwork, and intercession. This is the purpose and power of prayer. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood people, isn't that right? We wrestle with principalities and powers and spiritual forces in high places. And we are in a wrestling match in the unseen realm. And we are, we are made to fight. <laughs> Man, <laughs> mankind is, God has put something in us that wants battle, that is ready to fight. And if we don't fight in the unseen realm, guess where we do all our fighting? in the scene realm with people. But God has given us the tools and the armor and everything we need. So, um, so um, after the war was over, the Japanese generals, when they surrendered, simply said, um, you know, things were going really well until Wingate showed up in Burma. And his strategies turned the war effort just as we mobilize prayer for the nations in our churches and among our friends, we will see the battles turn in places where the fighting is desperate. Uh, during World War II also, maybe you remember the image, the posters of uh, the, the, the young woman named Rosie the Riveter. Anybody remember Rosie the Riveter? And you know, she's got the kind of red bandana pull, holding her hair up. And she's, she's dressed for work and she's showing her guns, you know. And it's a, it was a poster to inspire people on the home front to pay attention, get involved, and to do everything at home to help the efforts on the front lines. And that really struck me because our U.S. generals, after the war was over, they said this, if the war effort at home didn't match the passion of the soldiers on the front line, if it didn't match the sacrifice of the soldiers on the front line, we'd have never won the war in the time that it took to win it. But it was crucial what was happening at home matched the passion and sacrifice on the front lines. That's a lot of intercessory prayer as well. Our missionaries on the front lines nations that are closed to the gospel, tribes and tongues that have never been reached. It is crucial that we mobilize prayer stateside that matches the passion of the missionaries on the front line that are going for it. So today is, um, you know, uh, Wingate Chenditz, he, he called it long-range penetration, LRP. LRP forces, and it's strategic today that we see prayer for the nations as LRP, long-range penetration. And today, we're just going to model and go for it um, with corporate LRP. Uh, today, we're not just talking about prayer for the nations. We're actually going to take some time to do it. So, so here's, here's what we're going to do today. I'm just going to walk you through, as, as I've had privileges with area meetings with pastors and 
local churches across the country and all that to say to lead them in an hour of prayer for the nations together and to create a model for them that as they left that session, they could every day of their lives make a difference in the world from their knees. Friends, you don't even need a passport to shape and shake nations for the glory of God. Amen. You don't even need a passport. So that's, I hope, I hope you understand that's what this session is all about, because that's what we're going to do, okay? So here's what we're going to do. Right where you are, I'm going to give you a minute or two, and we're just going to prepare our hearts to pray. How many of you know it's important to tune up and to tune our hearts to the Lord? So let's just take a minute, all right? And as you meet with your church or in small groups, this can even be a, a little bit of an extended time of worship together as you prepare your hearts. But Lord, right now, we come before you. And Lord, we thank you for the incredible privilege of entering into the ministry, Jesus, that the Word of God says you're involved in 24-7 at the right hand of the Father. You are ever making intercession. And God, over these next moments as we pray together, we thank you that we get to join you in praying for the world. And Lord, we just ask right now if there's anything um, in us that would um, hinder our prayer, anything in our hearts that has disappointed you, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, just bring those things to mind right now so that we can just simply take care of it and move forward as intercessors today. Jesus, we give you a moment to search our hearts and we tune up to the voice of your Spirit as we go to prayer. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Can you say amen? Amen. This uh, seven ways to pray for nations, tribes, and tongues started with our collegians um, that we were taking to the nations. And they would say, Randy, you know, we want to pray for the world. We just don't know how. So out of that came seven simple steps to pray for nations, tribes, and tongues. And I guess uh, in the, in, 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 at the top of your page there, there, I would just call this our theme scripture for this session where the scripture says in Psalm 2.8, Ask of me, and I will give the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. And then again, that quote from S.D. Gordon, All fruit of mission and evangelism are merely the gathering up of results in prayer. This is important because here's the reality. Today on planet earth, 85 to 86% of Buddhists, Hindus, and Muslims have never even met a follower of Jesus. Never even met a follower of Jesus. Over 7,000 people groups on the planet today, ranging in the hundreds as a tribe to in the hundreds of thousands that do not yet have a church on their soil and in their language where they could hear about Jesus if they, they can't hear about him even if they wanted to. You go for hundreds of miles in any direction in their territory and never find a building with a steeple on top because Jesus had not yet walked into their territory, into their tribe, through his people. 24 people per minute leave planet Earth without ever hearing the name of Jesus one time. Think about that. 24 a minute. But we are authorized, and the weapons of our warfare are powerful. They do pull down strongholds. So if you look on your sheet there, and there's spaces there to take notes in the margins and all that, but, but the, the, the first one um, says um, open doors. And here's, before we get to open doors, here's what I want you to do. There's a, a second sheet that we gave you that is a list. The best I had was 2022, but it's all the current missionaries 
home and abroad that's supported by Ohio, all right? And for the sake of time, I'm just going to let you do this individually. Typically, I'd say, let's break up into groups of three or four. How do you know there's, there, there's power where two or three pray on about the same thing? Is that right? But for the sake of time, we're not going to do the logistical. I don't even know how we do it in this room. We're kind of packed in here. But I want you to pick one missionary or one region of the world or one country. Just say, Lord, on this list, over the next 30 minutes, who do you want me to be praying for? Or what region of the world? or that's broken up by Latin America and Asia and Africa, or maybe it's a continent, or maybe it's a religious block. You just want to pray for the Muslim world or the Buddhist world, but take a minute and find somebody that you're going to zero in on, all right? You got somebody? How many... The person you picked is somebody that you know or you've heard speak or somebody you have some sort of connection to. Love it. All right. Some of us are discovering the names of missionaries working in parts of the world. We maybe, not, maybe we don't know them, but we have a burden for that country. We have a burden for that region. So here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to invite us to begin to pray for laborers. All right. When we pray for laborers, we're not only praying for them, but we're praying God raise up new missionaries that will partner with them in the work that they're doing, all right? We're praying for the next generation that it'll be mobilized to go into every nation, tribe, and tongue. So it says here, laborers, uh, Matthew 9, Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Let's pray that a new wave of pioneers would be sent to finish the work and that an apostolic team would engage every tribe on earth, all right? So right where you are, begin to pray for your missionary. Let's lift our voices. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the privilege of of, of lifting up the arms of somebody halfway around the world possibly today. God, we take time right now to speak their name and to speak their field. Lord Jesus, we pray for laborers. They're your laborers, God. Some of them are going through really tough times right now, God, I know personally. Some of them are tasting challenges on the field, God. Some, some, of this are, some of them are running into walls that they can't seem to get through, God. We pray for these laborers right now in Jesus' name. Strengthen them, God. Lord, sustain them, God, we pray. God, bless them. Help them. Bring new workers alongside them that will help them in the work, God. Bring new laborers alongside them that will help expand the ministry in that region or among that tribe or in that nation, God. We pray for laborers today and for, God, all these unreached tribes. Lord of the harvest, raise up laborers. Raise up teams, God, we pray. Raise up teams to go into tribes around the world. Raise up teams of next generation leaders that hear the call, God, that will go into the Buddhist world, go into the Muslim world, will go into the Hindu world, will go into the tribal world, God. We ask for laborers today. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray for laborers. Amen. Amen. Secondly, we pray for open doors. Paul said, an effective door has opened to me. But there are many adversaries. There's a battle to keep the door open. There's a battle to get through the door. It says here that people stuck behind closed doors due to government, culture, or geography would be reached. Some of the 
last tribes to reach in the world are some of the toughest places to get to. It also says that the church will be ready to move as soon as doors open. And this is a big deal, folks. In the 80s, when Rios Mott became president of Guatemala, he was a believer. And he said, man, send everybody you got to evangelize my country. And before the church finally got around to doing it, he was out of power already. Oh, wow. Or I could take you back to the 1200s when Kublai Khan, Mongolian Empire, stretched from the Black Sea all the way to the Pacific Ocean. And he had an encounter with the missionary explorer named Marco Polo. And through conversations, he said to Marco Polo, when you go back, I invite them to send, the church to send 100 men to teach Christianity in my courts. Took 20 years before not 100, but one guy showed up. Wow. And Kublai Khan, the greatest leader on the face of the earth at that time, said, you're too late. I've grown far too old in my idolatry. You should have come sooner. So as we pray for open doors today, that the church will be ready to move as soon as doors open. And I want to double this up with open minds and eyes as well. 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says, the God of this world has blinded their minds. They can't even see or comprehend Jesus. So we pray open doors. We pray open blind eyes and minds. It says that the blinders of pride, false religions, and demonic oppression would be removed so they could see Jesus as he really is and that human and demonic systems that perpetuate Spiritual blindness will be exposed in their cultures. So with your missionary or region, let's just go ahead and pray for open doors and open minds and eyes right now, all right? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of doing your business in prayer. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for partnering with you, Jesus, and what's on your heart, every tribe and tongue. Your laborers, God, we pray, God, that you open doors for every gospel worker around the world for these missionaries sent out from Ohio and working in our own state. God, open doors that no man can shut, God, we pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And as you open those doors, God, through the preaching of the gospel and through the lifestyles of the missionaries, God, we pray that minds would be open to the truth of Jesus. Lord, we pray that eyes would be open to the reality of Jesus. Jesus, you are absolutely irresistible when people see you as you are, God. So open minds, open eyes, open doors today, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Before we move on, I'd like to pass on a, a story of open doors and open eyes. Uh, I've got a friend named George, and um, a long time ago we did quite a few projects together. We, uh, we mobilized um, 1,200 teenagers and collegians for the 84 Olympics in Los Angeles. For 17 days we hit the streets and shared Jesus with people from all over the world that had gathered and other things that we got to do together. But George uh, was a part of Youth for, with a Mission, um, his father had been a very successful businessman with Learjet and got radically saved and ended up starting the first um, Christian radio ministry in the Muslim world. And, um, and uh, another cool story is, is that he was also well-connected with, with Hollywood and, um, and with athletes and all that kind of stuff. He was actually um, in a meeting at the home of then-Governor Ronald Reagan. As they played for, prayed for Ronald Reagan, George's dad basically said, as I prayed for him, my, my prayer went from my head to my heart, he said. 
And I heard me saying these words, Son, if you stay faithful to me and do all that I put in your heart to do, one day you will reside at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Is that cool? But George, um, he's a researcher. He studies moves of God around the world. Have you ever seen some of the transformations videos of the past 20 years where God is doing extraordinary things? George and his team put together all those transformations videos. So, so um, George was in Paris a few years ago and uh, teaching at a conference. And while he was there, he heard of a story of a, of, of a Muslim village uh, in Algeria on the shores of the Mediterranean and that this village entirely converted to Christ overnight. Wow. It's one of those stories that's happening in the Muslim world that we need to see happen in the Buddhist world, all right? And, and, and so George being George and the researcher that he was, when the conference was over, he just got a ticket and went and found this village. And uh, as he interviewed people, he found out it was true. He said, he said, everyone that I talked to said on the same night, in the middle of the night, they had a vision of Jesus coming to them. And when people got up the next day and compared notes, they realized that Jesus had individually come to people, all, all the people in that village, and, and overnight that village turned to Christ. Well, a couple months later, George was teaching in another conference in New York City. And um, he told that story. And after he was done, a man came up to him and said, uh, George, I just got a question for you. Uh, you didn't give the name of the village. What was the name of that village? And he, he told him, he says, well, let me tell you the rest of the story. He says, I'm a professor at a Christian college here in the area. And several years ago, God put it on my heart to put together a team of collegians to go to that very village just to pray. Wow. And he said, why, why that village? He said, because in the 1300s, Raymond Lull, who was the first missionary to the Muslim world, was martyred in that village and in that spot. I felt the Lord stir me to take a team of people to go pray at the place where Raymond Law laid down his life for the gospel. All fruit of mission and evangelism are merely the gathering up of results, first one in prayer. So let's move on to resources, and I'm going to pair, pair that up with fruit that remains here for the sake of time. Romans 10, Paul simply asked the questions, how can they preach unless they're sent? Isn't that right? And it's one thing for somebody to be called, but it's a whole other thing to make sure that, catch this, that they are fully resourced to carry out the assignment that God has given them. So here you go, that every mission's calling would be fully resourced for the work. And then, this is for us at home, that every disciple would regularly and sacrificially give to missions because that's how missionaries are resourced. Fruit that remains. Jesus said in John 15, I chose you to bear fruit, fruit that remains. And simply here is that the work begun in every tribe and tongue would never have to be started over again. And that God's word and ways would root deeply as people and cultures come to Christ, growing disciples who display the character, ways, and mission of Jesus. When we say that God begin a work in these places that you never have to start over again. All we have to do is look at the first, or chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation and realize those seven churches of Asia Minor haven't existed for centuries because they're un, under Muslim domination today, those regions. Or in a closer illustration, my friend Mark, who heads up Change the Map, we were talking yesterday, and he, as we talked about the Zuza Street revival that hit in the United States in 1906, 1907, there, were, there was a corresponding revival, unprecedented, in the Buddhist world that hit Korea. And that Korea, the move of God in Korea, rivaled the Azusa Street revival. 
and Becky and I, as we've traveled the world, we've run into Korean missionaries all over the world. Very much a sending nation. But what I did not know, Mark told me, was that that Korean revival actually started in North Korea. And I know there are believers in North Korea today, but you won't find a church operating above ground. So, fruit that remains. Let's pray for missionaries that you're praying for, that God will fully resource their work, and they will know the joy of bringing forth fruit that remains. Go right ahead, all right? Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, those missionaries that are on the field that maybe are seeing dips in their budget, God, fully resource their call. For missionaries today that are choosing between doing the work or putting bread on the table for their family, God, resource these missionaries, I pray, in Jesus' name. Father, resource them by stirring our churches and believers in our churches to get on board in giving for the Great Commission. Get on board with faith promise, to get on board with adopting a missionary personally, God, in prayer and in financial support. God, fully resource our missionaries around the world, we pray, in the name of the Lord. And as, as they go forward in your name, God, we pray that they would know the joy of fruit that remains. God, put a confidence in their heart that their work that they're doing today is going to outlive them, God. That, that there will be generations that follow them to continue the work, to grow the disciples, that the work that they are laboring for will not disappear. God, we pray for fruit that remains and that we would not just be adding converts around the world in mission work, but we would be making disciples because you told us to go into all the world and make disciples, every nation, tribe, and tongue. Lord, we pray that you would resource our missionary friends and you would bless them with the joy of fruit that remains for their labors, we pray. In the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Um, when we talk about the Buddhist world, where Becky and I have the privilege of helping Mark with the vision of reaching one billion Buddhists on the planet. One out of every seven people on the planet are Buddhist. It's, I call it the stepchild of world religions. It's the one we don't talk about very much. But it's a very desperate world. Um, when we talk about Buddhism, um, our goal with Change the Map is in the next five years to raise up 50,000 intercessors for the Buddhist world. Yes. And 100 new workers for the Buddhist world. Why, why is that? Why, how does prayer fit into that? Um, if you'll talk with our friends in the Muslim world, I think it was maybe the late 60s uh, that Juma prayer, prayer, the 70s Juma Prayer Fellowship started, which was an every Friday prayer focus for the Muslim world. And in time, they had amassed 60,000 believers from around the world to pray every Friday for the Muslim world. And we believe the moves of God we've seen in the Muslim world in the last 15 to 20 years are a direct result AGWM believes that what we're seeing in the Muslim world today is a direct result of the prayer movement that started in the 70s. And it's our prayer as we raise up 50,000 intercessors for the Buddhist world 
that hopefully not 20 years, but in God's soon time, we will begin to see the sign. You know, we're jealous of all the signs and wonders that are happening in the Muslim world that aren't happening in the Buddhist world right now. We're jealous for the church planting teams that are going forth into new areas. God, why not us? Why not the Buddhist world? So I want to take a second and show you this two-minute video clip for the Buddhist world, okay? And um, I don't know if we'll need to hit that light switch down there. We may be okay. And you may need to stand up to see the TV if you're over here, all right? So there we go. Oh, it didn't do it? It must have automatically shut off. Thank you, Matt. Come on, come on, come on. Okay. I'm hearing the audio through my com computer, not through the TV, but. You hearing it through the TV? Technology is a beautiful thing. Oh, it's thinking. Great. Can you guys hear it in the back at all? That was me again. It's a serving, but hang in there, all right. Walls that have stood for hundreds and in some places even thousands of years. Nearly one billion people live imprisoned by Buddhism and its demanding ritual. Places like Laos, Myanmar, and Vietnam are less than 5% Christian. With Thailand, Nepal, Cambodia, Japan, and others with less than 1%. Something has to change. As we circle these massive walls, we know that powerful, fervent prayer is the key to seeing them crumble. Focused intercession has power to kick down doors, to break chains, to set the captives free. 
Will you march with an army of prayer warriors for the Buddhist world? Your prayers can change a heart, change a city, change a nation, and change the map. Thank you. Thank you. One billion Buddhists. Less than 1% Christian across the Buddhist world. Over 200 years of missionaries and money going into the Buddhist world with very little fruit. That's why we believe strategic prayer is key to reaching the nations, to reaching the final 7,000 tribes on the planet, and for reaching the Buddhist world. And on your seat there, or you had handed out to you a little card about this big. And... Um, um, one side says, count me in, all right? There's a little QR code there, and if you hit on that QR code, um, it will direct you to a website where you can sign up to be one of 50,000. And I, I just ask you, will you be one of 50,000 intercessors for the Buddhist world, and will you inspire your friends to join you as well? Because, um, um, you know, here's the deal. Uh, you don't get badgered with a lot of stuff, but there's a really cool website. There's an app now. Stop by the Change the Map table. We can talk to you about those things. There's all kinds of free material. On the Buddhist world, there's comparison charts between Christianity and Buddhism. There are, um, there are four-week studies you can do individually as a group. There's all kinds of stuff we're just giving away today. Um, but um, when, when we talk about the Buddhist world, we're talking about one billion people who need to be introduced to Jesus. Okay? So um, being one of 50,000, Becky and I, we look forward every Monday morning, uh, we, get a, we get an email. And in that email, there is a three-minute time of intercession. This delightful young lady who's called to be a missionary, and she lives in Thailand on the Lao border. And every day, she cranks out the most wonderful three minutes of prayer that we join in together for the Buddhist world. And then to know that as you pray that and as you continue to pray over those three things for the rest of the week... You're joining hundreds and thousands of people that are praying about the same thing at the same time. How many you know there's power in that? Yeah. Isn't that right? So please, I ask you to be one of 50,000 and inspire others to join us as well. Ohio has committed to a tithe of the 50,000. We believe that God is going to help us through our churches in Ohio to raise up 5,000 intercessors yeah. for the Buddhist world. So pray with us on that one too, please, okay? All right. So number six, the church planted. We pray that the church is planted as we pray for nations, tribes, and tongues. I love it. Jesus just said point blank, I will build my church. Isn't that right? Yes. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We pray for the church planted that the Revelation 7-9 promise. And let me just say, you know, we talk about dreams and what we want to see and all that. And I, I've often asked students, does God have a dream? I mean, if there's something that kept God up at, late at night and musing into the future, what might that be? And I think... God's dream is summed up in Revelation 7, 9, that one day around the throne we worshipers from every nation, every tribe, every people, every tongue. So we pray that the Revelation 7, 9 promise that heaven will receive worship from every language on earth will be a soon reality. We pray that church planting teams would engage the never reached. The never reached is a term that has come out of, out of um, the Asia-Pacific region. And uh, has a lot to do with the Buddhist world because unreached or maybe people or regions of the world like Turkey that at one time were reached, but now we have to go back in, okay? 
that never reached are regions of world, tribes, tongues, peoples that have never, ever heard about Jesus for the first time. They are the never reached, okay? Um, second, uh, and then uh, secondly, that God's glory would be revealed. We'll couple these together, all right? Passion for God's glory among all peoples will be a central passion of the church. Again, this is something that's really struck me. God restore to our churches a passion to see the gospel, Jesus glorified among every nation, tribe, and tongue. God's glory revealed that the praise Jesus deserves from every tongue would be heard in, would be heard in heaven. So let's pray that the church would be planted and that God's glory would be revealed among every people, tribe, and tongue on the planet. All right, go ahead and take your missionary, the region of the world you're praying for. Jesus, we thank you that you're the one that promised, Jesus, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Thank you for that assurance, God. Thank you for the assurance that one day around your throne there will be worshipers from every nation, tribe, and tongue. But God, show us how we can engage to bring those realities forward on this planet. God, we join in prayer for regions of the world, nations, and missionaries that are planting the church. Jesus, may the church be planted in places where it does not exist right now. God, we pray for the never-reached, that church planting teams will be called to go among them to bring the story of Jesus to where... It's never, ever been heard. Lord, we stand with our missionaries, God. Give them courage to go into places that are tough. Give them courage to go into places that are difficult. Give them courage to go into places that are dangerous, God. Because you will protect, you will guide. Our times are in your hands. So, Lord Jesus, raise up missionaries, raise up church planters, raise up church planting teams among every tribe and tongue. And God, we pray that your glory would be revealed. That people would see you as you really are in all of your glory among every tribe and tongue. We ask these things, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. What we've simply given you in the last 30 minutes or so is a seven-point way. It's not exhaustive. But seven ways to pray for nations, tribes, and tongues. My prayer is that Sunday and Monday and Tuesday you take this list of missionaries that you now have and you take this simple little pattern of seven ways to pray and you marry them together and every day say, God, who, who can I spend a few minutes in prayer for? What part of the world? Because again, there's no place on the planet that we cannot make a difference in from our knees if we'll just pray. Don't even need a passport. Just need to be willing. When it comes to God's glory, I want to share one more story with you, and then we'll get into some question and answer and all that kind of stuff. But Moravians were an incredible movement of missionaries, Eastern Europe and then migrating westward. But the Moravian church was started by a guy named Count von Zinzendorf. He had a real passion for the nations. One of the first ones to ever really get missions, I would say. And it moved through their whole network of churches that they had started. And... um, Two young men, Dober and Nietzsche, one a potter, the other the carpenter, um, in the early 1700s, God, a burden was on their heart for then at that time the slave population of the West Indies. Um, all the islands in the West Indies, you know, the, the slave trade, uh, voodooism 
had come through the Middle Passage, through West Africa, and had come into Brazil, and had come into the West Indies and all that. And the slave population on those islands totally unreached with the gospel. And they, they just said, God, we are willing. Send us. But as they did their homework, they found out that the only way they'd be allowed to go to be missionaries to the slaves in the West Indies was to become slaves themselves. They had a big decision to make. And those two young men signed away their lives for the rest of their lives. That Jesus might be glorified among the slave population of the West Indies. Imagine that church send-off. Imagine being on the dock with the church families. Those two men got on the boat that would take them to their call. Hmm? But history tells us that as the boat began to move out into the harbor, the two men got up on the bow of the boat, and at the top of their lungs, they shouted, The Lamb is worthy. The Lamb is worthy to receive glory from the slave population of the West. The Lamb slain is worthy to receive glory. See, for them, it was all about Jesus being robbed of the glory that he deserves because he died on the cross for every nation, tribe, and tongue. And Jesus was being robbed of the glory and honor that he deserved. It wasn't just about man's salvation. It was about Jesus, the Lamb slain, receiving the glory that he deserved. Um, praying for laborers, praying for open doors, praying for open minds and eyes, praying for resources, praying for fruit that remains, praying for the church to be planted, praying for God's glory to be expressed and experienced among all peoples on the planet. A simple seven-way, seven-point way to pray, all right? But, but let's, let's talk about it for a minute. This is, okay, this is audience participation time, all right? Just don't stare at me, please. But um, which one of these seven maybe struck you the most? Huh? Anybody? Huh? What, what struck you the most out of these seven? What's that? Laborers. Yeah. I mean, Jesus point blank said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers, all right? Yeah, so we know we're praying God's will when we pray that one. Yeah. So somebody else, what struck you? Uh-huh. Yes. Glory, that sense of, why? It, it was, I looked at that and I said, well, I'm praying for my own church to have that patience with God. Thank you. That when we have our prayer meetings, we're always going to say, hey, we have to include the missionaries. Yeah, guys. yeah. Because our prayer meetings are always on what we're doing. Yeah, great. And that, and that our churches, I mean, I, I'm old enough to remember when we had regular prayer meetings for missions in the church, sometimes every week. We've gotten a long ways away from in our churches from being passionate about God's glory being revealed and experienced in places. Yes, sir? I found it a blessing in my life when you're praying. Pray God's word back to you. Okay, absolutely. Pray God's word back to you. That's right. He will be moved, and he will move, make things happen. Yeah, so these scriptures that we list along with these seven points, Pray those scriptures right back, all right? Yeah, when you pray God's word, right. you're praying as well. I think so many missionaries, uh, when you're going to these other cultures, uh, the ones that come from that culture sharing the gospel mm -hmm. to those people, they, they have a, a sort of a, an end. Mm. They have an open door. Okay. Many of us in the Western culture don't. Yep, you're right. Thank you. 
Thank you. Anybody else? One of these seven that struck you. Ethan, go ahead. Fruit that remains. Why is that? really good. We expect that it's going to stick. So we don't see it like we're to pray that it's going to Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, you know, when the sower sowed the seed, three out of four places it didn't stick. Hmm? We have to pray. The seed sown will stick. All right. Uh, secondly, um, we didn't have a chance to do this this morning for the sake of time, but doing this, in, you know, if we'd have had more time, I'd have broken you up into groups of three or four. You'd have picked a missionary, and you would have agreed in prayer. As one prayed, you know, and I would say don't pray shopping list prayers where you dominate the prayer time and not let any, leave anybody else, anything for anybody else to pray. You've been in those kind of prayer times before. And, and, but, but to gather with a group of friends in your church or to do something on a Wednesday night uh, with, with a concert of prayer like this for the nations, uh, but it's, it's a time to get into small groups and go back and forth, just like we did, because um, if we're just going to find a corner of the sanctuary and bury our, our face in a pew or in the carpet, we might as well stay at home. Right. We're just going to do it all by ourselves in the corner for an hour. Something happens where two or three gather and begin to agree in prayer on the same thing. So, so we do it in small groups. Um, why is taking the time for heart preparation important when you do this and when you lead people in it? Why is heart preparation important? Anybody want to jump in on that? Just to remind us. Hmm? Matt, help us out. I was just going to say, you praying something because you know it in your head, right? Just like, oh, I know I'm supposed to be doing it. I know I'm supposed to be doing it. That's not going to stick. There's, to go back to the soil analogy, that's, it's going to wash away mm-hmm. real quickly. As soon as you walk out of the building, your mind goes, to, oh, what's for dinner? What's for anything? Your heart's no longer impacted. When your heart's ready and open to like be burdened for missions, yes, burdened for the people of the world that have never heard the name of Jesus, that's going to stick. That's mm-hmm. going to then infiltrate every other piece of your life. Yeah, and when when people come and gather uh, to join us, if we have a night marked out to pray for the world, whatever the case may be, how many of you know they're flying in the door with a million things on their mind? Yep. Hmm? And if we can help them focus and center and remember why we're here and just get them engaged with the Lord, let the Holy Spirit begin to pray, prepare their hearts. It's, it's, it's an important thing. I saw him back there. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I remember, um, so I'm from Nigeria. Uh, okay. I <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I, I can tell you when Becky and I were pastoring, we had eight or ten Nigerian families in our church. And whenever we needed to pray, I called them because Nigerians know how to pray. All right? They know how to pray. And uh, a scary prayer, uh, this is a thought on prayer I'll just pass on to you, is that whenever you're praying about something, you just say, Lord, however, however I can be a part of the solution, I'm willing. Wow. 
It's, it takes it out of, you know, so longer, it's, it's not me saying, you know, here I am, send Ian, right? <laughs> it's that willingness to say, God, as I pray about these things, here I am, send me if you want to. Exactly. That's it. That's it. Why did I, um, why did I, as we were going through these seven prayer points, why did I intersperse some stories along the way? Okay, all right. Hopefully it's six, yeah. Huh? It's got to be personal. It, it becomes personal. Stories that inspire prayer for open doors. I mean, why did I talk about Kublai Khan? Why did I talk about Wingate's Chindits? Why did I talk about Dober and Nietzsche and the Moravians? You know, the Moravians, uh, this is a challenging thought. The Moravian Church started a prayer meeting solely focused on the fulfillment of the Great Commission. That's all they prayed about. They had somebody praying for the fulfillment of the Great Commission from their church every hour around the clock, 24 hours. And that prayer meeting went on for over 100 years. And that is why I believe ultimately one out of every 12 people in the Moravian Church were sent out as full-time missionaries. Wow praying church for the nations. So we tell those stories, and, and as you're leading a group and praying for the nations, you can grab things from missionary newsletters, you know, um, or whatever. Whatever, find, find little stories to intersperse that, you know, when, when we're praying for, for eyes and minds to be open to the gospel, and you talk about a whole Muslim village overnight having their eyes open to see Jesus as he really is, those kinds of stories inspire people to say, hey, I'm not just going through the motions here. As I pray, things can happen. Yeah. So um, what? let me ask you this. What is the role of the leader in leading a time of prayer for, for the world? Because I, I, I am trusting that God is going to stir you to become leaders, not just individuals who pray for the nations, but you find a way to lead others. How, with Change the Map, we're praying for a team of intercessors for the Buddhist world in every local church. What do we call those, Mark? It's part of the, 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 the Change the Map community. Church prayer spaces. How cool would it be if every church represented in this room created a prayer space? You can stop by the booth and we can tell you how that happens. It's really, really simple, okay? So, yeah, go ahead. Randy, the picture that I just got in my mind is um, if you've ever been in like a Fourth of July party, you have the sparklers. Uh huh. There's always like one or two people that are like the designated. You go light everybody else. <laughs> and then everybody else stands there. They wave them. They watch them sparkle, and they they let their that sparkler still burn. But there's always one or two people that walk around trying to go yeah. past the spark along. That's what I think the role of the leadership is. Or everybody gets a candle on Christmas Eve, and you do the yeah. yeah. There's always a couple people. But yeah, yeah. So be the spark. All right, be the initiator. Um, this is something the Lord really challenged me with a while back when I thought about just deepening um, my life uh, in, in prayer for the world. Um, first of all, I felt the Lord really challenged me to give a tithe of my time to pray for the nations. And for me, that means turning Thursday, or if Thursday doesn't work out, another day of the week, but typically Thursday, 
no day of fasting and prayer for the nations. Starting on Wednesday night after supper and going till Thursday supper and just saying, God. And, and, and then finding another hour and a half to two hour period three times during the week where I just get away, pray for missionaries, pray for the world. And that 168 hours in the week, 16.8 hours. But um, this is the thought that hit me. Um, if you're going to be somebody who mobilizes prayer and inspires people to pray for the world, you can't be a travel agent. You've got to be a tour guide. Travel agents sell tickets to people to places they don't even intend to go themselves probably. Tour guides are headed somewhere, and they say, come on, join me. And if we're going to inspire people, if we're going to mobilize people to pray for the nations, we need that tour guide mentality. I'm doing this. This is where we're going on our knees together. Come on with me, and, and let's pray. Let's pray together. So, um, so here's a rhetorical question, but how can you be a mobilizer? How can you start prayer for nations in your church and in your sphere of influence and not just do it yourself? Yeah. All right? Um, what are some ideas and ways that you can launch PFN in your church? Um, find a regular time. Find a regular place. Doing it by Zoom is, is entirely permissible. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to get together. I, I mean, how cool would it be? Uh, we got a thing going on in our church in discipleship. We just call it you and two. And so everybody in the church, small groups, sometimes they meet by Zoom, sometimes they meet face-to-face -face every week. They're studying God's Word together or holding each other accountable. They're growing as disciples. And, and just to say, as it comes to prayer for the nations, who's your you and two? Who are you getting together with on a regular basis? Um, so be a mobilizer. Let what... God begins to stir in you by His Spirit to touch the world through prayer. Be contagious. Be that sparkler <laughs> that lights others uh, on the, along the way. Start a movement of prayer in your sphere of influence. Um, we'll, we'll wrap up with this today. Um, any other thoughts or questions at all? Yes, sir. Oh, excellent. You are absolutely right. And I just encourage everyone in this room, if you've never been on a short-term trip, what are you waiting for? They can find more information about it by going to the Ohio Missions page. Ohio Missions page, thank you. <laughs> And the high missions table. Uh, trips are popping up all over the place. We've got people going to multiple places. We're taking uh, teams into Southeast Asia. We're going to the darkest temples in the Buddhist world. We're going on location <laughs> to say, God, open our eyes and open our hearts to see what you see and feel what you feel and begin to tear down these barriers of darkness that are keeping people from seeing you. So if you want to join a team, uh, stop by our table. Stop by the high missions table. Uh, we have a place for you, all right? Let, let, me wrap up, let me wrap up this way. On that day when I sensed the Lord several years ago, um, early in January, challenged me with this 
thought, um, I want you to start your day in heaven. Since that day, I, I got to tell you, sometimes it's only for five minutes and sometimes it lingers if I have time. I just, I remember one day as um, I just began to pray. And the, the picture of the glorious plan of God, starting all the way back with Abraham, who was called to go. And I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing. And through you, all the peoples of the world are going to be blessed all the way from Abraham. And just to see the panorama of the mission of God and the plan of God and the strategies of God to reach every tribe and tongue. I just began to, I, my, my pillowcase started getting wet behind my head with just the, the sheer amazement of the incredible plan of God to reach this world. And on that day when the Lord said, I want you to start your day in heaven, I thought of, as I was musing over that, I thought of the prophet Elisha. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, just a, a favorite story of mine. You know, the Israelites are at war again with Aram, Syria, and they're going back and forth. And, and the king of Aram is entirely frustrated because every time he goes to battle, it seems like the king of Israel has been reading his mail. So he pulls together his cabinet, his team of leaders, and says, okay, which one of you among us is the mole? Who's the one that's conveying the information to the Israelites before I even get there? And they go, you know, fearing for their lives. Not, it's not any of us, all right? It's this prophet named Elisha. Where's he at? Well, he's down in this little town called Dothan. I picture Elisha and his servant just kind of holed up in a little cottage in Dothan. In the morning, the servant gets up first and goes to the window and opens the, opens the windows. And everywhere he looks are the, are the chariots and horsemen of 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 the king of Aram, they've completely surrounded it. And it's like, oh my God, you know? And there's total panic, and he's, they know he's surrounded, and he goes over, and Elisha's snoozing, and he just, Elisha, Elisha, get up, you've got to see this. I picture Elisha getting out of bed, walking over the window, and looking around, and going back and getting back in bed. <laughs> and all Elisha said was simply, Lord, open my servant's eyes. And when he went back, he saw the chariots and the armies of God surrounding everything. And in that moment, Elisha prayed blindness on the army of Syria. And in that blindness, he says, hey, do you need some help? And he leads the entire army to his king. Um, he won a great victory for the little town of Dothan. He won a great victory for his friends and family. He won a great victory for his nation. And God was greatly glorified among the nations for what took place in 2 Kings chapter 6. But what was the difference between Elijah and his servant? I would simply submit to you that Elisha started his day in heaven in the peace, the perspective, and in the power of God. His servant started his day on earth in his morning angst, seeing everything through human eyes, not through the eyes of heaven, and in his own human strength, which is nothing but weakness in the long run. Isn't that right? And I want to ask you that question one more time that we started with. If God answered every prayer I prayed last week, what would be different on earth today? We pray about a lot of stuff. If we're going to pray God's number one thing on his heart, we're going to pray for laborers, 
for every nation, tribe, and tongue for open doors and ride on down the line. Because God's heart is that every tribe and tongue has a church planted on their soil in his language and that heaven will hear for the first time voices spoken on earth being lifted in praise around his throne. So um, from this day forward, exercise your authority. From this day forward, pray for nations. From this day forward, be a, a world Christian. Be a global intercessor. Because you can touch the world every day from your knees yes. in prayer. You can make a difference on this planet, all over this planet. Don't need a passport. Just need to be willing. So, um, and mobilize others. I, I'm serious. We, we, we have to get contagious with this stuff. We need to see a spirit of intercession for the nations sweep through our churches again like it did with the Moravian church 400 years ago. So, amen? amen. amen. Wow, it's 1130. And hun, God still does miracles. She didn't think I'd get done in time right there. She's my doubter. God bless you guys. Have a great day.